as we've uh, kind of said about three or four times already today, um, today is one of our membership Sundays, and every organization has a, um, either a list of requirements or a list of characteristic traits that uh, help us to see, help us to understand who's part of a group and who's not. You know this, right? Whether you know it or not, um, that is the reality. I was uh, just did a little bit of research to find out what groups are, are popular here, and they've got a Facebook group that says, you know, you're this and this, if dot, dot, dot. And so I want to see if uh, any of us know this. You know you're a blankety-blank if, okay, your world is my world, okay, if you have posters of this famous person all over your walls and in your locker at school. This is mostly, hopefully this is just for the teenagers, and hopefully just for teenage girls. Um, you know you're this if... Um, well, this movement started in Canada, moved to America, and has just spread all over the world. You know uh, you're a follower of this person if uh, you wish you were Selena Gomez and you can do a hair flip like this. Right? You know that if these things describe you, then you are a believer. Very good, very good. Justin Bieber fan. Okay, good. Okay. Um, I don't want to beat this dead horse too much, but here's, here, this is one. Um, probably if you've been here for a while, then you understand what this is. But for those who don't, I haven't been here for a while. You have no idea what I'm talking about. And then this proves a point even more. Uh, you know you're from this certain city if okay, you turn on your uh, heater as soon as it gets to 65 degrees outside. You go shopping on Black Friday to buy that cheap, cheap, cheap sweater that you will wear once a year. And you know who Bob Dance and David Moss and Dan Newland are. And you love Appliance Direct. Right? You're from what city? You're from Orlando, right? There are, in, in every group of people, there are certain characteristics that tell you who is in the group and who is not, right? If you have no idea what those last things were, then probably you're a transplant or you're just a guest because everyone in Orlando knows these things. These are kind of the, uh, the markers that mark who's in and who's out. Now, the question I want to ask this morning is we're obviously uh, kind of straying from our, our empty series just for a day for this membership Sunday. What does it mean? What is the defining characteristic of those who call themselves Christian. What is the defining mark of those who say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ? What is it that people will look at and say, this is how you know who's in and who's not? Because if you ask the man on the street, what is a Christian, they would probably have a lot of different answers for you. Some of them may say they are homophobic. Sadly, and to our shame, they may say that we're judgmental and dogmatic, and unyielding, and unbending, and all of these other things. But what does Jesus say is the defining mark of those who say that they're followers of Jesus Christ? Um, it's simple. You know it. John chapter 13. If you don't know it, uh, let, me, let me share with you. For those who do, let me stir up by way of reminder um, what it is that Jesus Christ has called us to do and who he's called us to be. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 um, This is Jesus. He's just washed the disciples' feet. About 12 hours, he's going to go to the cross. What is it, according to Jesus, not according to the world, not according to people, not according to you and me, but what is it, according to Jesus, that defines a follower of Jesus Christ? Here we go, verse 34. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. God's word. If the litmus test of our faith, of our religion, of our Christianity, of our, of our walk with Christ is love, then how do you grade out? 
If the litmus test of a follower of Jesus Christ is how well we love one another, then how are we doing? I think a follower of Jesus Christ is defined in two ways. And we're going to be just um, very simple today. Um, Just quick two things. The first thing, a follower of Jesus Christ is one who knows an out-of-this-world kind of love. It's, it's, It's that simple. If the command, by this all men will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another, then what does that look like? He says love. Okay, how are you doing in love? Well, I'm having a really hard time loving. If you're having a hard time loving, this is probably why. Because the first definition of a Christian is someone who knows this love, knows this otherworldly kind of love. Because he says, um, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you have a hard time loving, then the first question diagnostic I would ask you is how well are you receiving the love of God in your heart? See, then a lot of times we jump to what we need to do, right? We need to love people. We need to love God. And unless we're receiving this love, this is all, I mean, you could, you could relate all this stuff with empty. We've talked about this. You can't give what you don't have, right? And if you're not receiving and sitting and soaking in the love of God, then you won't be able to love other people. That's why I hesitate when we sing songs like shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Trying to get to the line in my head. Forever I love. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. I, I can't sing that song, forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Unless I first sing, forever you'll love me, and forever you'll stand. So sometimes you, when we sing this song together, I sing loud. I don't sing well, but I sing loud. I probably, you know, G. Lee Seminar at our youth retreat, you got to blend in. I don't blend very well. That's my problem. But you might hear me sing, shout to the Lord. And when everyone else sings, forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. I'm singing forever, you'll love me. And you're like, you need to open your eyes and look at the lyrics. But that's what I'm feeling. Like, I can't sing, God, I will love you forever if I'm not understanding that you will love me forever first. Because this is the fountainhead from which all things flow. If I'm not receiving love, then I'm not going to be able to give love. And I can tell. I can tell in my heart when I don't want to, I don't want to talk to somebody. Right? When I don't want to talk to somebody, I need to go and, and, and just sit under the fountain of God's love. We were, this past week, uh, one of our, uh, she's going to be a new member today, Nuria Bagley, was explaining uh, something that someone had told her. And she talked about how the love of God is like a fountain. And in that love of God is everything good about God. There's grace and there's patience and there's life and there's joy. And we need to drink of this love, drink in this fountain. And if we're not drinking in this fountain, if we're not drinking, then we get dehydrated, right? And then the end result, if we're not drinking in this fountain of God's love, is we have no grace, we have no love, we have no patience, we have no life to give to other people. I mean, it's really that simple. There's a fountain of God's love, and he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. We will only love to the degree that we think and know that we're being loved by God. And so if you think God is loving me on a D level, on a grade of D, then we're going to be a D lover to other people. I'm not trying to talk ghetto like D lover, whatever that would mean, but I'm saying you would be graded out as a D if you think God's only giving you a D. If you think the love of God on a scale of A through F, that's what it is. He's given me this, then you're going to give that. As I have loved you. The beautiful thing is that what kind of people is Jesus loving here? These are people who would actually just that, 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 that very moment, if you just kind of look back at verse 30, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Okay, night in 
in, in John's gospel is very symbolic. Night, bad things are about to happen, right? Light and dark, bad things happen in the night. It was night. When he was gone, verse 31, Jesus begins to say all of these things. Because Jesus, he just washed Judas' feet. He knows that in about an hour, Judas is going to lead a brigade of soldiers who's going to arrest Jesus. And Jesus says, this is how I've loved. I know you're going to betray me. I know you're going to, sur- I know you're going to turn me over to people who are going to crucify me on a cross. I know that's going to happen, and yet I still love you. Jesus doesn't love the people that he wants to love. He loves all of us when we were far away. Right? This is God's love for us. And he doesn't just love all people, but he loves all the way. In this moment, it's like, I, I know that I want to love people. It's easier for me to love people regardless of how much I'm receiving. It's easier for me to love other people when I have a good day or when I'm happier, when I'm not tired. But Jesus here, 12 hours from, from giving his life on a cross, just tired and, and soul in a, in a moment as he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's going to be overwhelmed to the point of death and still he can love and still he can love. And this is the love of God. I've been praying. I've been just kind of grooving and meditating on this verse in Ephesians three nineteen. It talks about how in this context, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened and all this stuff. And he says, for you to grasp how high and long and wide and deep is the love of God. And then he says in verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses understanding. Now, what in the world does that mean? How do you know something that surpasses understanding? It means you feel it in in, in your heart. I've been thinking about this and I've been praying over this for for some of our people that they would just really, that we would just really get it. You know what I'm saying? It's not just, okay, God loves me. That's cool. But, But to get it in here, a love that goes beyond understanding. Something that's not just relegated here, but we, we sense it, we feel it, it's in our bones, and it's a, it's a fire like pent up in us that we can't help but to bring that love out. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like to really know this, like to really know this in our hearts, that's what, that's, what, that's what Paul is praying for his people. To know this kind of love that passes understanding, because when we know it, and when we know it, it, it can't help but to, but to be translated into the way we live life. I was reading this, uh, reading this book, and I'm not sure if, you know, how, how accurate the events are depicted, because I've heard it a couple of different ways, but it tells the story of how he, um, this, this, this preacher was riding out of this train station in, in London. I think it was like Victoria uh, Station in, in, in London. And he was sitting, it was in, a, in these uh, compartments where you're, you're kind of in a room with other people. And there was a, a British guy and an American guy next to him about in their late 30s. And he's sitting there. And about 10 minutes into the ride, in the train ride, one of these guys starts having an epileptic, epileptic seizure. He starts shaking. You see, he falls on the ground. He's foaming at the mouth. And immediately this guy, he takes out a newspaper, rolls it up, and he, he stuffs it in his mouth so he won't bite his tongue and die. And this guy's like on the ground. He's shaking. The guy takes his, his jacket off of him, puts it on him. He wipes off uh, perspiration. He's a cold sweat, wipes off the perspiration. And this preacher's watching, and he's like, obviously, he's startled. I remember uh, I was a kid. I was watching a TV show called Different Strokes. Um, and in one of these shows of Different Strokes, there was this girl who had epilepsy, and she started shaking. I remember watching. I was like, what in the world is going on? I can't imagine being like that far away from it. But this preacher was watching this, and he saw it. And after uh, the guy had calmed down, he kind of uh, you know, wrapped his coat around him. Uh, one of the guys said, um, I- I'm sorry if, this, I'm sorry if this, all this uh, alarmed you. But perhaps if I tell the story, I can... Uh, it will, it will make a little bit more sense. So he went on to say that uh, we were both in Vietnam, both in Vietnam together. He was Brit. I'm American. And uh, while we were in war, my leg got, uh, my leg got shot off. 
basically had to get amputated, and he kind of lifted up his leg and showed his prosthetic. He said, my friend, at the same time, um, his, uh, he, uh, fell on top of a hand grenade, um, and it just obliterated parts of his chest, and there was shrapnel inside of him. And so every time he moved, there was such excruciating pain. And yet this, uh, this Brit said to this American, he started dragging him out of, out of the jungle. Viet Cong are shooting at him. And he's like, I, I'm going to get you to safety. And every time, every time he pulled him, he started screaming in pain because of what was going on in his chest. And, and, and I don't know how long it was. Some say it was three and a half days. The other one was not clear. But he's pulling him. And, and, the, and the guy with a broken leg is like, hey, you know what? You need to just go. Just save yourself. I, you, we're not both going to make it. The, the, the helicopter was supposed to, was supposed to come and rescue, rescue them, got shot down. And so he's dragging, he's dragging, he's dragging. Every drag, he's screaming. He's just in agonizing pain. And he says, somehow he finally got me to clearance. We both, our lives were safe, and we got back, and we made, and we got discharged, went back home. He said, about 18 months ago, I found out that he had epilepsy and that he needed someone to be with him. So I sold my, I sold my apartment in Manhattan, sold my car in New York, and I came. I came to live with him here in England because somebody needed to be with him. That's why, uh, that's why we're here. This preacher said, you know what, I'm, I'm a preacher, and um, I'm always looking for stories. In fact, I think this is the greatest story that I've ever heard. And this guy looked back at him, he said, don't be, don't be impressed. Don't be impressed. This guy saved my life. And anything that I do is just glad service of gratitude to what he's done. Isn't that what it is? Isn't that what living the Christian life is? That's what it's supposed to be. Because a Christian, just the bottom line, the the baseline thing about being a Christian, a follower of Christ, is that we're someone who knows an otherworldly kind of love. That's the first thing. The second thing is a a follower of Christ, a Christian, a Christ follower, is someone who shows an otherworldly kind of love. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's a book, uh, Robert Putnam wrote a book called Bowling Alone. Anyone heard of this book before, Bowling Alone? Um, basically, a, 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 he's kind of a sociologist, kind of does a lot of studies. He realized over the past 25 years, more and more people are bowling alone. It's interesting, right? What, what, what's even more interesting, actually, bowling alone, that's not interesting. Here's what's interesting. The number of people bowling has exponentially increased in the past 25 years. But the number of people bowling alone has also exponentially increased. Here's what he's saying. People aren't joining bowling leagues anymore. What in the world are you talking about? Why are you bringing this up? Well, the, the whole premise of the book is that relationships are deteriorating in our modern culture. For what, all the different reasons. He talks about like women, uh, women's liberation and getting jobs and working and stuff like that. Family dinners, people, families eating together at night down 33%. People inviting their friends over, down 45%. Numbers all across the board, just talking about all these things. And he just talks about how even like the architecture of homes and neighborhoods, gated communities, no porches for people to just hang out in, is just destroying the very fabric of society, which is relationships and, 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 and just being with people. As technology is increasing, there's a push for smaller and smaller and smaller things. We used to have big computers, and then we've got like little notebook computers, and then we go smaller, we've got netbook computers, and then we've got iPads, and now we've got computers on our phone. You could easily have eight people going out to lunch at Pizzeria Uno's on a Sunday afternoon, and all of us will be on our phones. So connected, and yet so disconnected. Could it be that smartphones have made us really stupid relationally? I'm pretty sure it has. 
pretty sure it has. We have a very hard time because when relationships falter, uh, we, we forget how to love. We're living in a culture that love is such a foreign thing. Maybe tolerance is good, right? I tolerate you. Like, you've got all, all this political correctness. You've got a person, you don't agree with their views. Okay, well, I'll just tolerate them. Let's uh, be in the, the same home together. We're arguing, we're fighting, and we can't love, but maybe we can just tolerate each other. If tolerance is the highest virtue that our society holds up, then why? What could happen? What would happen if we as a counterculture began to, to know God's love and they begin to show that by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. Not you simply tolerate one another, but you begin to love one another. And what does it mean to love one another as he has loved us? It means, again, we love all people. Jesus was no respecter of persons. He wasn't discriminating in the people that he loved. He didn't just love John, the beloved apostle that he knew would be, maybe he, he knew he would be at the cross. He loved Peter. He loved Judas. He loved the doubter, Thomas. I think sometimes we uh, would be really good grading out at love if we could choose the people that we got to love. If we loved only the adults, if I'm an adult, we loved only the seventh graders if you're a seventh grader. Or you loved only the the people that you think are are, are beautiful. But if we love those kinds of people, then how is that different from anyone else in this world? I mean, this is not, uh, I think this talk is really simple. And I I think uh, it's very, 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 um, it's very basic. Because it's just so fundamental to who we are as followers of Christ. I, I remember being in, a, in my youth, my days in, in youth ministry when I was a, a young student. I remember uh, being in like eighth grade and sitting on the bus coming back from a retreat. And I remember just sitting by myself. There was someone else who was sleeping next to me. And there was this one uh, senior in high school. His name, his name was David. Uh, really good guy. He was from Paraguay. And so he spoke with a little bit of a, like a, I don't know, South American accent. And he would just like, he, 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 I, I just saw him going up and down, just every seat, asking people, hey, how was this retreat for you? Was it a life-changing time? I'm going to be praying for you. And he just go to every single person. He came to me. He's like, hey, uh, how was the retreat? Was it, was it, is it going to change your life? And I said, I don't know. I hope so. He said, I hope so. No, not I hope so. You got to say amen. You got to believe it. And I remember he, like, I, I still remember his words. And I said, he, he, he's going to be praying for me. He's going to be believing that, that God's going to use my life. A senior in high school talking to, to every person on the bus, regardless of how old we were. There's a girl in, in, in my church when I was a senior. She was a real popular high school. Uh, she was in her homecoming court, uh, student council, uh, field hockey, lacrosse player. And one of the things that I thought was so cool about this person was that in all of the pictures that she had, and she had pictures with people on the homecoming court, she had pictures of all the football players, but she also had was friends with like the least of the least. And people would look at these pictures like, are you, are you friends with them? Like, yeah. And they'd be like, oh, really? And they'd flip to the next picture and they'd say, how come you took a picture with them? Like, ah, oh, you know, they're my, the, my English class. I, and they're, they're pretty cool. They have a lot of good things to say. And these people would be like, really? Like, w- what is up with, the, with this person who loves people regardless of who, who they are, who sees not uh, status, doesn't look at their position in society, doesn't look at their position on the totem pole of popularity, just looks at them and say, hey, they're a person, and, and God loves them. I'm going to love them too. And what would it look like if we began to live in this way? Begin to love and not just like praise on the people that everyone else praises, but begin to, to just love on the people that nobody else loves and recognize the people that nobody else recognizes and go to them during greeting time. Huh? What, what would that look like? If we began to really understand that is, by this, all men will know that my, uh, you're my disciples. I, I, I always feel like, and I, I say this a lot, but my, my deepest fear 
is that someone would, for all the people that talk about how, how loving a community you have found at Har- Harvest to be, that for every person like that, that there's one or two or, or any, any number of people who come in and, and they walk out uh, after a worship service saying, I like the praise and the, 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 the talk was okay, but I didn't feel any love and so I'm not coming back here. I think I, I harp on this a lot because it's kind of near to my heart. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe like subconsciously I've experienced things like that where I felt like I was, I was alone and nobody came and talked to me. I don't know, but it says, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love the way that I've loved you. Loving all people regardless of who they are. Uh, when I was, again, in, in high school, I had a Sunday school teacher. He was like 30. And um, no business talking to us or, or teaching us was one thing. Maybe the weirdest thing, like in the middle of the week, in the middle of the week, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have email back then. She would call me on my house phone. And my mom would answer the phone. Back then, there was like three people that called. And it would usually because one of my friends had a, had a page or he had a beeper. And so I would like call his beeper and then tell him to call me. And then he would call. No one else, no one else called me. But my mom answered the phone. She's like, David. That's how she calls me. David, uh, answer the phone. <laughs> answer the phone in Korean. So I, I say, who is it? She's like, I don't know, some lady. I answer the phone say, hello. She's like, hi. She was just like so gentle. Hi, David, Larry. This is Esther Shin, your Sunday school teacher. And I was like, why in the world are you calling me? I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> what, what's going on here? Like, how are you doing? Uh, good. <laughs> Uh, I usually can't talk on the phone without having like notes on a piece of paper or something like that. So when she calls, I'm like completely off guard. Like, um, how's your week been? Good. Um, is there anything I can pray for you about? And I'll be like, no. Is that everything is going okay? Yes. That basically one word answers it. And, and she would say, if there's anything that you ever need prayer for, know that I'm praying for you. As I think about you, I'm praying for you and for your classmates. I'm always praying for you guys. I want you to know that. I said, okay, and I hung up awkward. But deep in my heart, I knew that there was somebody who cared about me. And they were 12 years older than I was, 13 years older. I don't want to just be like, like we call ourselves this intergenerational thing, and yet there's no connectivity. You know what I'm saying? Like, what would it look like if we're really, like, really interconnected and intergenerational? Like, like, young people would talk to adults and not feel like they're weirded out by them. Or that, that adults would talk to, see, I'm pointing this way and this way because there's kind of like a division. But I, I see it's a little bit mixed up here. This is cool. Actually, no youth on this half of the room. But there's some adults on this half. But if we really began to, hey, I'm going to love all people and I'm not going to care about how old they are and... I think as older people, we need to take the first step because we've got a lot of people coming behind us. And a lot of people who are, who are following us. And, and married people, we're probably the older ones or, or singles are the older ones in here. Let's, let's do it well. Let's lead well. And then college students, you've got people coming behind you. And then high schoolers, you need to lead for the younger people. And then younger people, you need to lead for the children's ministry folks. But to love regardless of status, to love regardless of how, quote unquote, significant or insignificant they are in the ways of the world. I think so many times we just come in and we're like, we're like, like balls on a pool table just bouncing around but never really connecting. Right? And we say, that's somebody else's job. He ain't talking to me. I'm talking to all of us. I'm talking to me too. And what if we really began to love this way? 
we had um, yeah, we had a senior retreat. Not only just loving all the all the people, but loving all the way. Jesus loved all the way. He didn't just say, "Okay, I'll uh, love until it's convenient," but all the way until the very end. Uh, senior retreat, senior banquet last night, just amazing. Uh, student leadership team, our youth ministry, Isaac Lee, did a great job just organizing a sweet time of, of blessing and, and love for, uh, for our graduating seniors, graduated seniors. And um, senior retreat, uh, really fun, really uh, just a lot of uh, great memory-making times and, and good times of worship and sharing and, and prayer. We're singing the favorite songs of the high school seniors as graduates or where they're at and just talking, and for part of the time, they were, I felt bad. They were uh, at Bush Gardens, really excited to ride these rides. And um, the way they described it was like, you know, like in these cartoons, like uh, everywhere you go, like everywhere else it's sunny, but wherever you go, there's like rain all around you. It's kind of like that. They rode one ride. We were about to ride another ride, and they were just at the, at the, at the front, and then they had to shut the ride down because of rain. Oh, you know, whatever. Moved on. It's happened three times. Three times they were either on the ride, right? You guys were on the ride. Is that right? Holy smoke. They're on the ride, and they say, oh, sorry, technical difficulties. Three times. But it's the stuff that memories are made of. Raining, pouring, and I, I had to do some stuff back at the hotel, so I couldn't go with them. Um, but they came back, and they're like, we smell really bad. And so um, one of the guys was like, can you smell me? And so I smelled, and I was like, it's not that bad. He's like, are you serious? And he got all mad, and he's like, smell this part right here. <laughs> and he held it up, and I almost puked my dinner and lunch from breakfast from the day before. It was disgusting. It's crazy stuff. And then we were playing different games, and we, yeah, really found out a lot about each other. But some of the sweeter times were just in, yeah, just in, in, in the times of sharing. Their hopes, their fears, their dreams, the lessons that God is teaching them right now in this moment, things that they want to do in their last couple months before they go off to college, regrets that they have, and and one of the constant themes that came up there, and then last night at the, at the senior banquet, a lot, of, a lot of us were there. Really cool to see some adults were there as well. But for the past two years, they talked about their, their Sunday school teacher, Casey and, and James uh, Ye, but they're talking about her. And three things that constantly came up. I'm sorry. Two things, right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because this class is notorious in our youth ministry for driving out Sunday school teachers. There's a guy named, well, I won't say his name. But there's a guy who taught them, sixth grade. And it really isn't that funny. But a um, couple of their teachers no longer come to our church, and, and everyone says it's because of them. I think a third one, Pastor Goose, I wonder if he may have left because of them. Also. <laughs> but the three things I kept, I'm sorry, Miss Casey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because you kept on reaching out to us. The other thing was thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not giving up on us, for pursuing us, for loving us when we were rascals, when we tried to drive you out of our church also. They didn't really, but when we were just out doing our own thing, we just wanted to go our own way, but you kept on pursuing us. We want to say thank you. And they came back and they said last night, hey, you know what? Because of all this stuff, we want to end well here. And they promised, at least three of these guys promised, that we're going to be here for our youth ministry. We're going to be here every Saturday until we go off to college. We're going to be here. And we're grateful because you didn't give up on us. Before this class, there was another one. 
couple years back, I think two or three years back, and we were back meeting at the old church in Hiawassee. In their Sunday school class, you could hear yelling and screaming and bouncing off the wall. I was like, what is going on in there? It was a class taught by uh, Y.K. Yoon Kyung Lee. She taught them, I think, for at least, what, two, three years, right? Was it? A couple years, maybe. Three years. And I mean, there are a lot of times I was like, man, what's going on? Is there a war going on in there? Who's fighting who? And it'd just be like rowdy, crazy stuff. And yet through those three years, I kept on praying for them, kept on giving baked goods to them, kept on bringing food for them, kept on loving them, kept on pursuing them, kept on being patient with them. And now on the flip side of five years since you started, right, some of these guys, uh, Tico, Kenny, Alex, Monica, these folks in that class are some of our great and up-and-coming leaders of our, of our college ministry. Because there were people who loved and went the distance and did not stop loving until the end. That's what love does. That's what Christ did. As I have loved you, so you should love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And it's this radical kind of love that as you receive it, you begin to give that to other people. Oh, love that will not let me go. I hide myself in thee. God, could there be this kind of a love? That though our hearts were far away, your love went further still and brought us back into the fold of God. This is the love of God played out through those who know God's love and then show God's love to other people. What if we began to love this way, understanding his love, a love that drove him to give his one and only son, a love that drove this son to weep tears of brokenness, sweating so uh, fervently that they became uh, just drops of blood coming out of him because of the agony over our broken condition. When he cried over Lazarus' death, it's not because he loved Lazarus so much, it's because of the effects that death has, that sin has on this broken world. And so because of that, he went to a cross. That's why he came, and that's why he gave, to understand that we are the reason that he gave his life. He says, if you know this, can you understand? Can you believe it? Can you know it in your heart? Pray that the eyes of your heart will be open. Pray that you would understand a love that surpasses understanding, that you know it in here, that you show it to other people, because it's by this that all men will know that we're his disciples if we love one another. we come to the Lord, let's take a moment to pray. We can pray in a lot of different ways. Maybe it's one, God, even through the songs that we sing for the remainder of our time, help me to understand, to know a kind of love that surpasses understanding. Maybe that's your prayers, to just pray that kind of love into your heart. And ask the Lord God, make that your prayer, make that your constant prayer, that I would know this love that surpasses understanding, that I would feel it, I would sense it, I would wake up into it each morning. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe your prayer is, God, help me to translate the love you have for me into love for other people. I know that I choose to love the ones that I want to love, not the ones that you call me to love. Help me to love. 
Maybe your other prayer would be thanking God for the people in your life that have incarnated the love of God to you and have demonstrated that love to you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're all three of these things. Let's pray. Let's just respond to the word of God this morning. Ask the Lord that he would do this in us, thanking him for his love shown to us, through us, in us, by others. Just take a minute or two to pray. Let's pray that as a church, we'd be a church that loves. Let's pray. Let's pray first for ourselves, and then in a moment, we'll, we'll pray for ourselves together. But let's pray for yourself, however you need to respond personally to the Lord. We could take a moment just to, uh, if you're sitting next to somebody, just to put your hand on their shoulder or to grab their hand um, in a completely uh, loving way. And let's pray for our church. Let's pray for our congregation. Let's pray for our community. God, make us into a community of love. Make us into a church that loves. Make us into a people who loves. That whenever newcomers come in, whenever people who are broken, weary from the journey come in, whenever there are people who are just so, uh, just so sick of Christianity, but somehow they stumble into this place, whenever they come into our congregation, that they would know that there's something real and alive and different and otherworldly about the love that's experienced here. Let's pray, and if I could just ask us to pray out loud, you don't have to yell, but if we could just pray out loud and just pray so that others in this room would be encouraged to know that we're praying together for our church. We're praying together for Harvest. We're praying together for our congregation, that we would be a place full of love, that hearts would be melted as they walk into this place because of the love of God that's here. Let's pray together. Can we, can we just lift our voices and let's pray for God's blessing of love over our congregation? Lord, that you would fill our congregation with the glory and the presence of God. Lord, that you would help us to be a church that loves, oh God Almighty. Lord, that you would help us to be a congregation full of the grace of God. That not one person, oh God, that not a single person, oh God, would ever feel left out of our group, oh God. That not a single person would ever feel left out in our youth ministry. That not a single person would ever feel left out of our congregation. That not a single person would feel like they're isolated or alone, Lord God. That not a single person would ever feel, Lord God, like they cannot belong here. That not one person, Lord God, would walk in and out without feeling the love of God in this place. That not one person would walk in and out of here without experiencing a love that goes beyond reason. A love that is of another world, oh God. I pray that you would do this within us, oh God. Teach us to love. Teach us to love. Make us into lovers. Mold us into lovers. Challenge us, Lord God. Go before us, Lord God. Show us the way, Lord God. Fill us with love. We would know this love of God that surpasses understanding, Lord God. And then you would help us to show that love to other people, Lord God. Move with it, us, Lord God. Challenge us, Lord God. Change us, Lord. Let a revival of love sweep through this place, Lord God. Let the love that our seniors experienced last night, Lord God, be a love that every individual experiences. 
Jesus, Lord God. Let the love that people feel in our house churches, Lord God, will be the love that is realized and is evident and apparent, Lord God. That we would go forth as lovers, Lord God. That we would go forth as livers of it, Lord God. That we would not simply be hearers of the word, Lord God, or feelers of the word, but we would go forth and do it, Lord God, for your glory. That we would live in light of the things that you're showing us. We would live in light of the things that you're teaching us. That we would live in light of the glory of God. Look at us, Lord God. Help us to know this love, Lord God. Make us into a transformed community of love, reaching out to the mom, reaching out to the broken, Lord God, reaching out to those who don't know you. Let your glory fall in the truth, Lord God, that you do this for your name's sake. Oh, Holy Spirit, so father in heaven we ask that you just open up the heavens and you just pour down your blessing of love Realize love, actualize love, experienced love, tangible love, personal love into every heart that's here. And may that spill out of us into relationships with one another, that we would form webs of relationships whereby which people come who are falling and they will be caught in this love and caught in this grace. So teach us to be individuals and a congregation, a church that lives like this. God, may we never be, uh, be uh, shy in love. May we be bold. May we be courageous. May we be dangerous in our love for people and that you would help us and that you would lead us that by this, all people, men and women, will know that we are your disciples as we love one another. We thank you. We love you and we pray these things in Christ's name.